You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. My father David is such a busy man, tending to the affairs of the state. He's too busy to take time for you. If I were only the king, that was his suggestion. And again, this all went, his intentions were to steal the hearts of the people, and that's exactly what uh, happened. So if you want to leave these matters to me, I'll judge them for you. And over a period of time, Eventually, as I've already mentioned, he stole the hearts of the people. Many people have been betrayed at some point in their life. Well, in today's message, you'll see that King David was no exception to this. And sadly, his betrayer was his very own son. Pastor Mike explains that Absalom wanted to be king. Handsome and charismatic, he used smooth words to cast doubt on David's ability to lead his people. Absalom slowly stole the hearts of the people away from David until he had enough support to make his move. Keep listening to learn more about how all this played out. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 15 as he begins his message in life or death. Second Samuel, the making of a man of God series. We'll just pick up where we left off last time. And in the progression of that series, now we move into Second Samuel chapter 15. So Second Samuel chapter 15. Before we get into our text, let me set up this Bible study for you. So we, to do that, we need to go back a little bit. And remember in our previous uh, studies, in the previous chapters, we were introduced to a fellow in our cast of characters whose name was Amnon. And Amnon happened to be David's oldest son. And we were told in our previous study that he was infatuated with his half-sister, whose name was Tamar. In fact, we were told that he was sick with love. But the truth of the matter was he wasn't really sick with love. He was rather sick with uh, lust. And so being infatuated with his half-sister, Tamar, he forces himself upon her and rapes her. Now, Tamar's brother, Absalom, also another son of David from a different wife, found out about Amnon's wicked deed, and he tells his sister, Tamar, not to tell anybody what had happened and that he would take care of it. Well, after two years, and you can just imagine his anger now has been brewing in Absalom for a period of two years, when reprisals were unexpected, during the sheep shearing season, which was a, considered a very festive time, it was the time of a harvest, 
Absalom plans to host the feast, and he invites all of the members of the royal family. And this would have included all of David's other sons, as well as Amnon. But his real intentions is to kill his brother Amnon at that feast. And that is exactly what happens. Remember, we uh, talked about that uh, last time. And after he is killed, Absalom flees to his grandfather's home. Uh, by the way, his grandfather's name was Talmai, and he was the king of Geshur. David is devastated upon hearing of the news of his oldest son's murder. And the only reason David didn't pursue Absalom is because he would have had to go to war with his father-in-law, Talmai, who was protecting Absalom. Well, anyway, for three years, David, mourning the death of his son, uh, Amnon, angered over Absalom's taking of his life. But eventually, David's fury weaned. And now he is longing to see his son Absalom again. But neither party were working towards reconciliation. Neither would take the first step in asking their forgiveness. And so we were introduced to also in our cast of characters a fellow whose name was Joab, who happened to be David's captain. So he steps in and persuades David to receive Absalom back into the city of uh, Jerusalem. So therefore Absalom is brought back and re reconciliation takes place. So that's where we left off last time. And that brings us now to chapter 15. And let's begin by reading the first six verses of this chapter. And by the way, this message, the title is In Life or Death. And this message has everything to do with commitment and the importance of commitment, particularly in our relationship with the Lord. So let's go ahead and begin by reading the first six verses of chapter 15. After this, after the things that I have just suggested, it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate, that is the gate of the city of Jerusalem. And so it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king, David, for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, what city are you from? And he would say, your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that I were made judge in the land, and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me, that I would give him justice. And so it was, whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. Notice he wouldn't allow the people who came for judgment there in the gate of city to bow down to Absalom, but he would rather, he would forbid him to do that, he would rather grab him and shake his hand and embrace him. And the idea here was that Absalom wanted the people uh, to know that he was a man of the people and that he could relate to their problems. And then in verse 6, in this manner, Absalom acted towards all Israel who came to the king for judgment. And so Absalom, notice here, and this is very important, stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Okay, 
Now, a couple, I want to remind you about a couple of things concerning Absalom. Remember, Absalom had his eye upon the throne. He was a very ambitious young uh, man. So Absalom, the son of David, has been slowly, deliberately, stealing the hearts of the people away from his father, as was indicated there in verse 6. He's been standing at the gate of the city of Jerusalem. And by the way, that's where either the king himself or his deputies presided over the different cases that were brought for judgment. And when people came to receive that judgment, to resolve their issues, to hear their uh, cases. Remember, uh, in one of our previous uh, studies, we talked about this. This was at least uh, partially uh, the king's responsibility or one of his deputies to preside over such judicial matters. But Absalom would say, oh, what a shame. My father David is such a busy man, tending to the affairs of the state. He's too busy to take time for you. If I were only the king, that was his suggestion. And again, this all went, his intentions were to steal the hearts of the people, and that's exactly what uh, happened. So if you want to leave these matters to me, I'll judge them for you. And over a period of time, eventually, as I've already mentioned, he stole the hearts of the people. Now, also concerning David's son Absalom, he was a very handsome and charismatic figure. In fact, go back to the previous chapter in chapter 14 and verse 25. Notice what we are told concerning Absalom. Now in all Israel, verse 25, now in all Israel there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. He was sort of like a Disney prince, you know, kind of a figure. Very charismatic. So that's who uh, Absalom was. Very handsome, very charismatic. And he had a very special way about him. He was very uh, charming. Now, go back to our text in chapter 15. Notice there in verse 1, he acted very royally. Let's go back to verse 1. Now, after this, it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. So he wants to project upon the people that he was uh, worthy of being the king over uh, Israel. He acted royally. In fact, when people would see him coming with this great entourage that went before him, they would say, here comes Prince Absalom. Okay? So all of this was done, and again, uh, with the intentions of stealing the hearts of the uh, people and unseating his father David to be the next king. Now let's pick up in our chapter, and let's read verses 7 through 12. Now it came to pass after 40 years. Now we're not quite sure about this reference to 40 years here. Some Bible commentators suggest that this was the age of Absalom during this time, that he was 40 years old. Other commentators have suggested that this is what was known as a copier error, and that it should actually read, in fact, in some of the older manuscripts, it reads not 40 years, but four years. So after four years, so if that be the case, it would have taken place, this whole incident would have taken place four years after Absalom had been restored uh, by his father, uh, David, to return to the city of Jerusalem. So we're not quite sure, and that's open to speculation. 
But nevertheless, and it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said to the king, please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. But Absalom had different intentions altogether. But notice he pretended uh, to be very pious. Let me go back and fulfill the vow that I had made unto the uh, Lord. But that wasn't really what was in his heart at all. Again, it was all about unseating David as the next king over Israel. Verse 8, For your servant took a vow while I dwelt at Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And that wasn't his, that wasn't his intentions at all. And the king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to uh, Hebron. Then Absalom sent spies throughout all of the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And with Absalom went 200 men, invited from Jerusalem, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. So they weren't, they weren't really a, a part of uh, Absalom's uh, putting this whole thing together. They, they were innocent. They really didn't know. But upon the invitation that was given them by Absalom, they accompanied him there. Then Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor, a good friend, by the way, of David, from his city, from Gilo, which he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy grew strong, for the people with Absalom continually increased in a number. So, as I've already mentioned, this was uh, a plot that is now arrived by uh, Absalom. And so in time, when he felt he had enough strength and backing, according to our text, he went down to the city of Hebron and there surrounded himself with a group of loyal followers. And they proclaimed Absalom as king over Israel in David's place. Absalom gathered an army together and is now marching to take the city of uh, Jerusalem. Well, David received the news of this, and instead of making the city a place of destruction, David is seeking to avoid that. Let's go back to our text now, verses 13 through 18, and this is exactly what David uh, did. Now a messenger came to David telling him Absalom's intentions, how that he uh, gathered together a group of men, they're coming back to Jerusalem to take the city, and also to kill his father uh, David. So uh, David is warned about this. Now a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So David said to all of his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, arise and let us flee. We shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said to the king, we are your servants ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. And then the king went out with all of his household after him, but the king left ten women, concubines, to keep the house. You know, David, uh, don't fault David for doing this. He felt as if the women that he left behind to take care of the house weren't in any danger. But out, as we are about to discover later on in one of our future studies, 
Actually, Absalom went into David's concubines and had intercourse with each one of them, which only you know, shamed them as well as David. But this was a part of the plot that Absalom uh, had put to together. So we'll uh, talk about that in one of our uh, future uh, studies. Well, anyway, in verse 17, and the king went out with all of the people uh, after him and stopped at the outskirts. And then in verse 18, then all his servants passed before him and all the Cherethites and all the Pelethites and the Gittites, 600 men who had followed him from Gath, passed before the king. Okay, so what do we have here? Well, David retreated so that Absalom would seize it, that is the city of Jerusalem, without any fighting or the shedding of blood. And as he retreated along the side of the Mount of Olives, David and his company, which included members of his family, his servants, his private bodyguards, uh, which was an elite corp of Men, all of those fellows that were just mentioned there in our uh, text. And David now looking back on the city of Jerusalem from that vantage point there on the Mount of uh, Olives, uh, looking back upon the city of Jerusalem, remembering the glory uh, days. And let me tell you something, this pained David. In fact, if you quickly uh, turn with me uh, to the book of Psalms, and uh, in chapter 55, because this particular psalm was written out of this same experience, just to kind of get a sense of what was going on in David's heart at this time. He's being betrayed by his son Absalom. And in the 55th psalm, in verses 4 through 8, so the 55th psalm in verses 4 through 8, so this psalm was written out of this circumstance, out of this situation, This is what is going on within David's heart. These are the feelings and emotions that David is experiencing. Verse 4, My heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. And so I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Okay, so those are just some of the things that were going on Uh, there in the heart of David. I indeed would wander far away and remain in the wilderness. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. So, David, now as he was fleeing, okay, now looking back on the city of Jerusalem, all of these feelings, all of these emotions, he's uh, also looking over the company of people that had accompanied him out of the city of uh, Jerusalem. David noticed a certain stranger that had joined together in their flight, someone that he had never known or met before. And this fellow was not a Jew. He was actually a Philistine. He was a Gittite. His name was Ittai. Now, this is the fellow that we really want to focus in on. And in verses 19 and 20, David addresses this gentleman. And there we read verses 19 and 20. Then the king said to Ittai, the Gittite, Why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king. Now this is interesting because notice he says he's encouraging him to go back to the city of Jerusalem to stay with the king. So he's acknowledging the fact that Absalom, in fact, is actually going to unseat him as the king over Israel. Well, anyway, he goes on. 
He says, in other words, what he's saying is, you know, don't put yourself in jeopardy. Don't put yourself, you know, don't uh, throw your lot in with me because this, I'm facing an unsure future. And uh, we really don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So we don't want this to come upon you. You know, you're a stranger among us. And uh, so he's encouraging him to go back to the city of Jerusalem. So he goes on here, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. In fact, that you came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today? Since I go and I know not where, return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. So once again, David is facing an unsure future. He might have actually been tracked down by Absalom and uh, killed. So he didn't want this fellow Ittai to have uh, any part of that or you know, maybe face death himself. But notice, I want you to consider uh, Ittai's response to what David had just uh, encouraged him to do. And this is a verse of scripture, and in fact, it's the last verse of scripture in our text, but it's the most important of all, and it has everything to do with commitment. And as it relates to you and I, it has everything to do with our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so how did Ittai respond to David's encouragement to return to the city of Jerusalem? But Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord lives, and as my Lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my Lord the king, David, shall be, whether in death or life, and that's where we get the title of this message from, even there also your servant will be. So here, Ittai made a total commitment to David. He says, wherever you are, in life or death, that's where I want to be. David, I am all in. I'm going all the way. You know, one of the sad tragedies of our age today is the lack of true commitment. Everybody today within our culture seems so elusive. It seems as if everybody wants to do their own thing. And there are very few people who are willing to make a total commitment to anything. I'll give you an example of this. In the marriage uh, relationship, uh, in the marriage ceremony, we make our vows to our uh, spouses for better or for uh, worse. Hey, we're all down for the better, right? But as you know, if you've been married or are married, there are times in the marriage experience where things turn bad. And it's at that point where many spouses bail out of the marriage relationship. I didn't count on this, right? And, uh, you know, I'll only go far as the marriage relationship is good. And it serves as a blessing. So those words that we utter as a part of our ceremony, for better or for uh, worse, they're just empty words. They're meaningless. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my We're so glad you joined us today for In My Father's House. Pastor Mike has been taking you through the book of 2 Samuel, an Old Testament book that continues the story of David. David was a great king, loved by many, 
and forever etched in history as a man after God's heart. Yet he wasn't perfect. God used David in powerful ways, even after he had failed. And God can use you, too. Are you still seeking the Lord? Are you repentant when you fall? God sees your heart, and He's merciful, and He has great plans for you. Continue to trust in His goodness and faithfulness, and let Him use you to bring glory to His name and share the good news of the hope that's found in Christ. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike, visit HarvestNYC.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. There's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Find out more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Make plans to join us on Thursdays, too. We're meeting virtually to jump back into the Word midweek and worship the Lord. That starts at 7.30 p.m. online at harvestnyc.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us again for more right here on In My Father's House.